There's something about being happy that just makes you feel better all over, better than any place else. Amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And once we get the joy of the Lord, I'm talking about the joy of the Lord. I'm not talking about superficial joy. I'm talking about the joy down deep inside that, that just ministers peace to us. We're, we're just a whole lot better off. Praise God. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, how many got your Bibles with you tonight? We're going to do our second teaching on the book of Ephesians. And uh, I believe that this book, all my Bibles, the book of Ephesians is wore out. <laughs> you know, it's a short book. There's only six chapters, like a hundred and something verses in the whole book. But it's packed with revelation truth. And that's, this is what the Lord wants us to get a hold of. And tonight, we're going to deal with the subject of our relationship with God and what Paul said about it in the book of Ephesians. Now, he addresses two classes of people in this letter. He writes to the saints who are at Ephesus. Now, remember, Ephesus was a city that was engulfed with demonology, devil worship, the Diana, I think, was the name of the temple that was part of the temple there. And uh, they, they were just worshiping all of these things. And Paul established a church right in the middle of it. Now, you know, we're in the middle of, a, uh, of evil and iniquity all around. I'm not talking about just right here in our vicinity right here, but I'm talking about in the world, the world system. Uh, the world system is bad. Uh, I've traveled a lot of different countries. And uh, I remember the first time I flew from uh, Houston, Texas to uh, Nigeria and uh, took me almost 22 hours to get there uh, to, to Nigeria. But, you know, the, the thing is, when, I, when you got into the airspace, you could sense the powers of darkness that was over that continent in some of those countries. Now, thank God there's a move of God going on in Africa right now. Nigeria is experiencing a great revival. Ghana, West Africa is experiencing a great revival. Kenya is experiencing a great revival and a great move of God in those, in those countries. Ethiopia is, is experiencing a great revival in the midst of all that is happening right there. God always has his people, and it doesn't matter what country it is, there's people there. In the Muslim countries tonight, there are Christians. Muslims are getting born again. I mean, the Lord is appearing to many of these people. I've read many testimonies, and it's not just one or two, several people. Jesus has literally appeared to them either in a dream or visibly and, uh, 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 and announced himself to them, and they have accepted the Lord. Now, God's moving. Uh, where evil abounds, grace does much more abound. That's what the Bible says. But I sensed that as I flew into different areas and uh even in different parts of our country here in the United States of America, there's, there's different areas that are more depressed uh, uh, in, in, their, in, in the surroundings there. And you can sense it as you fly into these places. And I, I believe the reason we sense it is we fly in because remember when Daniel uh, was praying and he couldn't get the answer and finally Michael the archangel showed up and said, Daniel, God heard you the first time you prayed, but the prince of Persia, they wouldn't talk about a physical man that was in Persia as the king of Persia at that time. He was talking about a, the spiritual prince, 
the evil prince that was in the heavenlies and, and that was hindering the answer from coming. Now, let me just say this word about hindering. Listen, I don't want to get caught up in saying, well, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that, the devil's doing this, the devil's... No, I'm going to talk about what Jesus has done and what God is doing. But we do know that many times Satan does try to hinder the move of God and the promises of God from being manifested. Uh, and that's, that's, just a, that's just a fact. I mean, hindrance. Paul, Paul made a statement one time. He said, we would have come to you sooner, but Satan hindered us from getting there. Now, what is a hindrance? A hindrance is just simply something that's going to delay you a little bit. It doesn't mean it's going to stop you. It's just going to delay you. Listen, so, so what? If there's a delay, that means there's going to be that much more power when you get there. Hallelujah. And God's going to do that much more. But Ephesus was this type of place, but God had a church in the midst of it. Our world is going a different direction Every day you see it in the political realm, it's going a different direction. But I don't care what happens, as long as God's people's here, we're the salt of the earth. And I believe that we can still hold off, stave off the powers of darkness, and give God some time to get on this thing and get a real move of God going. Amen? And so things can happen. But he writes to the saints who are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, and then all believers in the book of Ephesians is referred to as saints. I used to tell everybody, I said, you know, I'm St. Clarence. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I think one time somebody was declared to be a saint in, in the religion, and, and uh, I, I just decided, well, hey, I'm St. Clarence. Praise God. And uh, you're, 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 you're St. Cliff. Praise God. St. Patricia here. Amen. St. Paula there. St. Patricia Mullins here. <laughs> Praise God. St. Renee. St. Chalk. St. Louise. Amen. But we're saints of the Lord. We're saints of God. But being faithful is something we choose to do. Now, notice what he said. He refers to the faithful in Christ or the faithful saints. But being faithful is a choice. We have a choice to be faithful to God. We have a choice to be faithful. When I talk about being faithful, I'm not talking about church attendance. That's part of it. But I'm not, I'm not talking about that as a whole. Most people, they just hammer, hammer, hammer on church attendance and give, 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 give. And that's what they term faithfulness. But faithfulness is being faithful to the call of God. Being faithful to what God's called you to be. And that's a child of God. We're ambassadors of the Lord. Every one of us are ambassadors of Christ. And so we have to be faithful. And so uh, he, he brings, it brings great glory to God when we're faithful. Now, not all saints are faithful. We mentioned this the other night in our teaching. Not all saints are faithful. Not everybody has a desire within their heart to please God with all their heart. Now, sometimes we want to please God when it benefits us. But when we please God in all things, then we're going to see good things begin to happen. Now, the first three chapters of Ephesians is about our relationship with God through Jesus Christ and what that means to us as believers. And then uh, they deal with God's unconditional love and what it means to be in Christ. We're going to touch on some of that in just a minute. Uh, they also cover salvation by grace rather than works. can't work your way in. You can't get holy enough. 
You, you'll never be righteous enough in your own righteousness. Uh, you'll never be holy enough. Uh, you'll never be good enough. Uh, you'll, never ne- you'll never do enough works to get saved because it's by grace. And so the Lord deals with that uh, through the grace. It's as a, His unconditional love and salvation by grace rather than works and the mercy of God and other subjects. But the last three chapters in Ephesians deals with uh, more with what our behavior should be. Now, isn't it amazing? He exalts the people or lifts them up, saying, you know, you're faithful in Christ. You're, you know, the grace of God is in your life. And he begins to tell, tell them where they are in Christ. And, and then the next, next few chapters, he starts telling them how they're to walk. <laughs> and we're going to get into that later, not tonight. And uh, But it's important to have a solid foundation. We need a foundation of the Word. We need to be able to give an answer to somebody. When they ask us why we believe, why we believe like we believe, why we're doing what we do, you know, we have to have an answer. And uh, it's important to have a solid foundation. But let's read Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 10. We read this the other night, but I want to I put this in here with our relationship with the Lord. But Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. He said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's blessed us with everything in Christ. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight, in love. And He predestined us for adoption to sonship. Now, there's that word predestined. We're going to talk about that in just a minute because, listen, there is a predestination, but not the way some people teach it in their doctrinal teachings of predestined, that some people are going to get saved, some people aren't going to get saved because they're not predestined to be saved. No, we're all predestined to be saved. We're God's creation. And when when Jesus came, and, and, well, actually, <laughs> let's rephrase it. When God came... Through Jesus Christ, and through that, he even before he came, there was a predestination for salvation for the world. When Lucifer did his treason in heaven, and he said, I will rise and I'll take over, I'll be bigger than God, greater than God, and the Bible said that he was kicked out. Jesus even made mention of it in the Gospels. He said, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. So Jesus, the Son of God, was there. The Holy Ghost was there. Praise God. God the Father was there. So we, and but what the Lord did, He predestined us to become children of God, the world. Listen, this is His creation. And the devil tried to steal it. This was His works. His handiwork. And the devil tried to take it back and to destroy it and pervert it and do all of the things that he's doing. And we're seeing perversion in, in, in people's lives because of it. But look what he said now. We're predestined for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us 
the very mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Hallelujah. God has a purpose. God has a plan. So God's grace is in our life. I don't know about you, but the grace of God is its amazing. Uh, there's only one way to become an heir and a child of God, and that's by the grace of God. Grace, God's, we, we term it as God's unmerited favor. It's His love, His, His gracious love to us, bringing us in. I heard this saying one time, if you see a turtle sitting on top of a fence post, you can rest assured he didn't get up there by himself. Hallelujah. And I say that to say this. When you're born again, you didn't get here by yourself. You didn't just decide one day, well, I'm going to be a good person this week and go to church. No. When you were born again, it was because of God's grace, God's love, and God's unwavering love and grace in our lives that brought us into the kingdom of the Lord. So, grace is God did something for us that we didn't deserve. That's what grace is. I like what one person said, G-R-A-C-E is grace. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. See, we've gotten everything that we have because of what Jesus paid the price for. He paid the expensive price in order for us to have this grace of God in our life. And that's the love of God. And the mercy of God. See, God... Mercy is God not doing to us what we deserve. <laughs> now, I know we all have this situation sometimes. And if somebody has done something terrible or something bad and something that is ugly and, and, uh, and then something bad happens to them, well, they got what they deserved. <laughs> you know, and uh, they, they just got what they deserved. No, no that's not mercy. Amen? If we got what we deserved... We wouldn't be sitting here tonight. God's mercy is unexplainable to the natural mind. The mercies of God are, they're numerous. I mean, His mercies in our life. Thank God for the mercy of the Lord. I like that old song and I love to sing it, Mercy Rewrote My Life. I could have fallen. I should have fallen and, uh, you know, but His mercy rewrote our life. Aren't you glad that God's rewrote your your story? <laughs> Hallelujah. You could have had a, a bad ending to your story, but now we're going to have a good ending to our story because of the grace of God and the mercy of God that's in our life. God's mercy is there in our life. But grace is God's unmerited favor. Now, I've seen Christians, and you have too, that they don't really have peace. I'm talking about peace. They're always worried that they haven't been good enough. Worried that they're not holy enough. Uh, worried that somebody doesn't think they're righteous enough. And, and so these things keep us in a position to where we're not letting the Lord's mercy and grace uh, be there. But we won't have the peace until we understand God's grace. Every one of us have a story. Every one of us have fallen off the milk truck sometime or other. Amen? 
Every one of us, and I say every one of us, I'm talking about me, include everybody has fallen short of what God intended for us to walk in. Sometimes we may have literally sinned. Now somebody said, well, you know, what's sin? <laughs> sin, S-I-N, sin is I. If you don't have the I in sin, you don't have much sin, right? So when we're full of ourselves and pride, we're in sin. And so God wants us to understand the grace of God, and this is what Paul's trying to get over to the church at Ephesus, you know, the Lord's grace and mercy is in our life. And it, 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 we got to understand it. It's His undeserved favor and His enabling power that's in our life that causes us to be victorious and overcomers. See, we, we've got to come to that place where we understand His undeserved favor. Listen, we don't deserve anything we get as far as deserving it. But you see what Jesus did, he became sin. He became what we were in order that we could become what we were not. Isn't that what Paul said in one of his writings? He said, Jesus became sin so that we who were sinners could become the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. See, we can't just be righteous by saying, I'm going to put my name on the roll and now I'm a, I'm a member of the, the body of Christ. No, you're only righteous when you're born again. Born again. <laughs> that, that's what brings that. And he became what we were so that we could become what we were not. We're the righteousness of God. And that's not boasting in ourselves. That's boasting in the grace and the mercies of God. That's boasting in who He is and what He's done. Now, grace is this. It's God enabling us to do with ease what we could never do on our own with any amount of struggle or fleshly effort. In other words, how many ever tried to I want to tell you something. <laughs> Some people try to get God's power to move. I mean, you know, I, I was going to a church one time, and every, if you didn't shout, we didn't have church. Now, I'm not afraid of shouting. And if you want to shout, I'll shout with you. Praise God. If you want to run this building, I'll go right behind you. <laughs> but this particular church, they didn't have church till somebody shouted. And that Sunday night, it was summertime. We didn't have the central air like we got now. And, and uh, the windows were up in the church. And those little June bugs, you know? Y'all know what those are? They were flying around, coming in. And my sister was sitting right in front of me. And uh, she was sitting there and, and she, with her girlfriends, you know, that was there. And I was sitting back there with a couple of boys, you know, us mischievous boys. And with this little June bug, we should, they were about on the third row. Now, they were really holy and righteous that night. They were up on the third row. And, uh, you know, teenagers usually like to sit in the back, you know, so they write notes and do all that stuff. But they, they were on the third row, and I was sitting right behind them. And this little June bug comes and gets on my sister's collar of her blouse. And I said, boy, this is going to be interesting. 
I mean, I could have just thumped it or grabbed it and, you know. I said, let's see what happens. Sure enough, that little June bug started getting down in the collar and got them down into the, and, and started going down her back. And I'm sure she began to feel something. She was kind of doing this. And all of a sudden she felt something and she jumped up from there, gave a scream and started running down the aisle. And everybody thought the Holy Ghost done got a hold of her. And about 10 of them took out running around the building. We had church that night. I'm telling you. <laughs> but my, my sister, took a detour to the women's restroom, you know, so she'd get that bug out. And boy, did I get an earful that night. Why didn't you let me know that? I said, I didn't want to disturb you. <laughs> well, I was a little mischievous back then. <laughs> but grace, look at Ephesians 2, verse 9. We're still talking about the grace of God in the book of Ephesians here. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anybody should boast. <laughs> we might as well quit trying to work our way in and work our way to be holy and spiritual because that's not going to work. It's, it's God's grace. It's His grace. It's His mercy. It's His love. And if the life of a Christian is to be pleasing to God, it must be uh, prop, uh, uh, properly adjusted to Him in all things. we we got to get adjusted to the Lord. Amen? And let His grace operate. Now, a lot of a lot of time we place our emphasis on our own lives upon the application of this principle in, in some single detail of our behavior of our work for Him. In other words, we focus our attention on what we're doing for Him. We've all been guilty of that. I remember when I first started preaching and and. Uh, God was moving, and God used me, and I thank God for that. But, you know, we'd, we'd get together in the dormitory, us college boys, and we'd start talking about how great a preacher we were, you know, and how great a service we had because of what we did, you know. And uh, anyway, it was, it, was just, it, was, it was just funny to see how we would brag on ourselves <laughs> and boast about who we were. And what we had done. And this, it didn't stop there. I mean, I was, I was 12 years old when I really got called to preach. And 15 when I preached my first sermons. Preached my first revival at age 17. And, uh, you know, God was using us and, and uh, things were happening. And we, we praised God for that. And I had my first church at age 24. 24 as pastor. Brother John Osteen came up and preached for me. And, boy, he just filled that place up and packed it out and and God moved and then the church was growing and and uh, I, I don't know p- people thought I was famous too because I knew Brother Osteen I guess I don't know but uh, it, it was we, we were seeing growth things were happening I walked out to my car one Sunday I'm just telling on myself is that okay I walked out to my car and one of my main elders came up to me and tears were just streaming down his face. He said, Brother Clarence, he had his arms up on my shoulders. He said, you're one of the greatest preachers we've ever heard. You're one of the best preachers we've ever had. And I said, well, thank you. But he looked at me. He said, but Brother Clarence, 
you're getting puffed up in pride. Please, please don't let pride overtake you. Please, for your sake, for your ministry's sake, for your family, don't let pride overtake you. I got his hands. I said, I don't have no pride. Well, you know what? I did have pride. Amen? But God didn't let me get by with that. I didn't no more get out of the driveway and just about two blocks from where he had told me that. And I mean the convicting power of the Holy Spirit hit me. And God said, I sent him to you because you're puffed up in pride. And you're going to head to destruction if you don't get rid of it. I went straight to his house. And I went and wept with him and prayed with him. And I said, Brother, forgive me because you were right on. And I said, I don't want to ever be puffed up in pride. I don't want to be puffed up in pride. Amen? It's Listen, I learned a long time ago, it's not what I do, it's what he does. And if he does anything, it's through him operating through us. Uh, oh, I'll tell you, <laughs> preachers... Preachers, leaders, church leaders, you know, they have, they have to fight this thing. In, in, well, I say fight it. They have to really be on guard so that it doesn't overtake them. Because pride is a big thing. That's the cardinal sin. That's the original sin was pride in Lucifer and caused him to want to dethrone the Lord and become, uh, become the head of the whole universe. Amen? But, but thank God for the Glory of the Lord in our lives. Amen? Now, we're predestined. Everybody say, I'm predestined. Ephesians 1.5 said, Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his wife. And the word, the, the, the definition for predestined is actually this. It means to mark out the boundaries beforehand. That's what predestination is, marking out the boundaries beforehand. In other words, we were predestined to be saved before you was ever born. You know why? Because the Lord marked out the boundaries before you ever got here on this earth. Before we ever showed up, God had already predestined our boundaries. In other words, we're all predestined to be saved. We're all predestined to be born again. We're all predestined to have what God said we have. And it indicates God's next next step, and that's all about choice. See, he, even though we're predestined, we still have a choice. Every one of us have a choice. We we we're going to choose, and throughout the word, choose life or death. You know, choose right or wrong. We've all got these choices in our life, and but what happens is we're predestined. See, we're all predestined for heaven. Does it mean everybody's going to heaven? No. Because we have an understand that we're predestined for that, and we're still allowing pride and all of these other things keep us from getting what God wants us to have. So predestination is simply God preordaining things. He preordained. Listen, when Lucifer fell, he preordained. He, he created the earth and all of the things that were in the earth. Adam and Eve were placed there. Everything was perfect. He preordained this. Praise God. He preordained for Adam's children to worship. Even after Adam and Eve fell, there was a preordained plan that God had for sacrifice and for the covering 
for their sin. Remember when Jesus, uh, when the Lord, uh, he, he took the animal or, or the skin of the animal and covered them with it after they were uh, covered themselves with fig leaves, and God covered them up with the animals. That was the first sacrifice, and then from there on, it was sacrificed throughout. It was preordained. See, it was a preordained. It was preordained that that uh, Cain and Abel both would serve the Lord and go forward with the things of God. Abel offered his sacrifice to the Lord. It was pleasing to God because it was what God wanted him to do. It was an attitude of the heart. Cain did not want to do it God's way. He wanted to do it his way. So therefore, pride got in, that original sin again, pride. I'll do it my way. I'll have it my way. I'm going to do it just like I want to do it. God don't have to have this. And so he didn't do it that way. And God said, I've accepted Abel's offering, but I've rejected yours. Well, Cain got mad, and he slew Abel. Now, he was preordained. He was preordained for him to go forward and be a righteous person, but because he made the choice. See, we're still people of choice. And he made the choice. He said, I won't do it God's way. So God drove him out. The Bible said he was driven out from the presence of God. The presence of God was no longer in his life. And actually through, through Cain and the, um, uh, the ones that were there, uh, that's when evil began to spread throughout the earth. And then God got fed up with it and he destroyed the earth with water, the flood. All that was left was eight people. They had to go replenish the earth. The whole earth was destroyed. The whole earth was covered by water and destroyed. But God took those eight people and God began to replenish the earth. And there again, through, through Noah, they were all preordained. It was preordained that they be righteous. It was preordained that they go and be God's representative. But remember, one of his sons, was it Ham, that decided that he wasn't going to be righteous? And Cush was a descendant from Ham. And because of that, Cush became, uh, he begat Nimrod. And Nimrod became the dictator or the Antichrist spirit. And the Antichrist in that region where Abraham was and Abraham's family was. And only Abraham's family was able to get out. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Uh, Noah, according to the Jewish history, and their Shabbat, it's kind of like uh, a history book of, of, uh, of the Jews. And uh, according to history, Noah had, and his uh, Seth had actually uh, dwelt right in the land where Abram was at that time. And it was said through the history and the writings that were there that Abram spent time with Noah and spent time with Seth. And that was probably where he began to get his revelation of Jehovah God, of who Jehovah God was. Now, that's not in the Bible. It's just I'm just talking about a historical thing, that what they say in the history of it. And I, I believe there's history things. How many have ever read Josephus? I mean, that's a lot of history there in Josephus, and we, we take it, but it can be backed up. It can be backed up. Now, Noah was up in years, but he saw Abram, and, and Abram, when he left... Now, Noah had went on to be with the Lord, and and Ham went on. But when Abram left with his little family, the ones that God put with him, and he left, God began to to 
lead him. This was God's grace in his life. And God began to lead Abram and begin to give him the promise that the seed, the seed that uh, the sands of the sea or the sand, uh, you couldn't, you can't even begin to count the seed that God was going to give him. All the nations of the earth were going to be blessed is what God told him in Genesis 12. All the nations of the are going to be blessed because of you. Now that's amazing. Look up at the sky, Abram. Look at all the stars, and that's you're going to. It's your your seed's going to be multiplied. Isn't that amazing? God's grace, God's love, was there with him. So it's it's you know we just got to understand that God does everything good, and God measures everything from start to finish by the perfection of His Son. And the mystery of his will, but we're predestined. Now, Paul wrote in Corinthians, it's, it, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So we, we, haven't even, we haven't even skimmed the surface of what God has prepared for us. God's got some great things for us. Can you say amen? Now, Let's take a look at our position in Christ in Ephesians, the second chapter here. Now, the position that Paul describes here is a position of rest. It's a position of rest. Ephesians 1, verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. In other words, the, the first thing about this position is we're accepted. We're accepted by God. We're accepted in the beloved. We're accepted because of Jesus Christ. We're accepted because of what He did for us. And so we're accepted. And, and, that, and that's, a, it, that, that's what a word that's filled with grace, being accepted. That's what God's grace does. Remember Mephibosheth, the, the son of uh, Jonathan? And uh, when the, uh, David uh, heard about Saul and uh, Jonathan being killed in battle... And uh, he, he began to inquire, is there any relatives, is there any relatives left that, uh, that, that, that was part of Jonathan's seed? And they said, well, he's got, he's got, he's got uh, a son. Was it his son? I think it was his son, uh, Mephibosheth. And uh, he's over here, and, he, he, and he's, he's over there. And so they, he said, well, go, go fetch him. Go fetch him. Well, see, what happened now when they heard that, God, that uh, Jonathan and Saul had been killed, the nurse grabbed up Mephibosheth, who was small and young, and dropped him and lamed him. He was lame from that moment on. Now, here he was. He was kind of a grown man now, pretty, pretty getting up, uh, you know, late teens or early 20s or whatever, but he was a grown person now. And David said, find, find whoever's left. And they found him. They said, well, he's got his son over there. He said, well, go fetch him. So don't you imagine when, when Mephibosheth heard those chariot wheels coming down the road and, and saw the dust of, of the horses and the chariots coming after him, don't you imagine fear gripped his heart a little bit? Because, you see, back then, when, when a kingdom was taken over, they would kill all of the offspring because they didn't want anybody to come 
and be able to take and come back and cause an uprising or whatever against them. So they would kill all the offspring. And this is what was in Mephibosheth's mind. Hey, they're going to kill me. They're going to destroy me. And But they didn't. They took him back. And David welcomed him into the palace. And you know what he told him? He said, you're going to sit at the king's table. You're going to eat with all of the people here, the royalty, because you're royalty. See, Mephibosheth didn't feel like he deserved it. But see, that's grace. That's acceptance. That's acceptance and grace. Amen. People can be so funny sometimes. I was in Wyoming preaching revival and, and, uh, (laughs) and, you know, if you're around me, I'm just a common person. I, I don't try to be uppity. I don't try to be something I'm not. I'm, I, I don't. I don't want to be anyway. I don't want to be snobbish. I don't want to be. Uh, uh, you know, I don't want to ever have a better than now attitude. You know, and uh, but we was up there, and they said, Brother Dalrymple, uh, we're, we're going to go to lunch, and we'd want to know if you want to go eat with us. I said, Sure. I said, I'm hungry. <laughs> so they said, Well. Oh, we don't have a whole lot here, just a little town where we were. And, and they said, uh, we got this little hamburger place. I said, man, I love hamburgers. Let's go get one. So we got one. I think I might have got two. I don't remember. But we were just eating and just fellowshipping. And, and they were watching me and, and uh, just sitting there in awe, you know, like almost in awe. And I, I said, this is really good. They said, Brother Dalrymple. You're just like one of us. I said, yes, sir. I said, I am one of you. <laughs> I said, uh, they said, but we thought, you know, since you were in the ministry and on radio and all of this stuff going on, that you, you wouldn't have the time of day for us. I said, why? You're God's kids. We're in this thing together. I wouldn't be up here preaching if you didn't invite me. <laughs> I said, so, you know, let's just, let's just pull down all the barriers and all the shields and let's just sit there and let's enjoy our fellowship together. Amen? Listen, we're accepted. Don't you, don't you like to go somewhere where you're accepted? And be accepted? That's grace. That's God's grace when you're accepted. So we're accepted in the beloved. And, uh, it said those in, in, in Ephesians 2, verse uh, 2 and 3, those that were by nature children of disobedience and wrath, that's, that's what we were at one time. And they were so far from God that they were called strangers in verse 19 of the second chapter of Ephesians. They were called strangers because of that. And they were so deep down in the abyss of death and, and depravity that they were without hope, according to Ephesians 2, verse 12. They were without hope. Have you ever seen people without hope? Uh, you know, that, that's why we need to say, look, God's grace is for you. God's grace. Now, God didn't leave an inch of boasting for the sinner to boast. If he's ever accepted by God, God himself must act on his behalf. See, God's the one that's doing all of this thing for us. Amen? It's God that God instituted this thing called salvation. It was preordained from the very beginning of time. We're predestined. We're in the beloved. We're chosen. We're loved. We're predestinated. We're loved as sons and daughters of the king. We're accepted. 
We're loved as the Son is loved. God's accepted us. We're part of the family of God. What's, what's His is ours. I told Pat when we got married, I said, darling, I said, I'm going to tell you, we're getting married. You're going to take the name Dalrymple. That was a mouthful for her back then. But she's finally learned to pronounce it. But I said, and what's, what's mine is yours. And what's yours is mine. Well, I didn't have a whole lot to offer at that time. And she didn't know that. She might have reconsidered if she knew. But, uh, you know, she couldn't take me back. You know, and return me. <laughs> Hallelujah. But how many knows that what's, that's what the Lord's done for us? We're, 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 we're loved. We're redeemed. Everybody say, I'm redeemed. Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood. It's through the blood of Jesus. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. According to, depending on. That word according means depending upon what He has. Uh, we read, a lot of times the scriptures quoted where Paul said, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that word according means depending on what He's got. Listen, it's out of His riches. It's according to His riches. It's according to what He has. And this is according to the grace of God. It's according to His grace. His grace. Listen, He's got abundant grace for all of us. I mean, more than enough. Can you say praise God? Now, He's seated in heavenly places. Turn with me over to, uh, go down to Ephesians, the second chapter. Verses 1 through 10. We want to read all of these verses together here because this is where we are. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world. How many remembers when you walked according to the course of this world? You just went along with the crowd, just did what the crowd wanted you to do. And listen, I'm not talking about just rebellious teenagers. I'm talking about adults sometimes. We just go with the crowd. You know, we just go with what the crowd's doing. And he said, uh, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of a disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But now look at verse 4. These two words make a big difference. But God. But God. i tell you what. The devil can come say to you, well, you know, you kind of lost your temper the other day. Yeah, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that is the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that, that, that portion of Scripture excites me. That lets me know that God loves me, 
We're made alive in Christ. We were dead spiritually, and we had no right to the things of God. We walked according to the course of this world. We just went along with the world, just did what the world wanted to do. And our life was ordered by Satan, who dictated to us. Satan dictated our lives, by the way. Amen? Until you turn yourself over to God. He was in charge of everything happening in your life until you turned everything over to God and you started following the Lord. And this same scenario is evident in people's lives and, and they're fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind today. Even, listen, and we're going we're to bear down on even people that are professing Christians, they're dictated to by the enemy at times. And they follow the dictates of Satan rather than allowing God's grace and mercy and love be in their life and allow them to be transformed by the power of God. So, by nature, we were children of disobedience. By na- it was our nature. How many- Listen, kids' nature, how many ever saw your small children? My little girl, she was three years old. And boy, she defied us one time. I, I, we had a big jar of pennies and quarters and nickels and dimes. I mean, about this tall, you know. And and, and so we, when she'd get kind of antsy, you know, we, I'd get that thing. We'd just pour it all out on the carpet there. And, and then we'd pick them up and put them back in the, in, the, in the little, in the jar. And she just, oh, she just got excited putting it back in there. And she just enjoyed that. It, it don't take much to make a child happy. But one day, she decided she wanted to do that. I said, okay. So we emptied them out on the carpet. And then she got up and said, okay, I'm done. I said, no, we're not done. (laughs) We've got to pick all these up and put them in the jar. We're not done yet. Boy, she just ran off. She just folded her little arms. I mean, I don't know where she learned to do that. She never saw me do that, I'm sure, you know. But I, I said, Stacy, get over here. We're going to put these up right now. Now. No, no. Oh, she just started, oh, oh, she was just screaming, oh. I mean, if people heard us outside, they thought I was killing her, you know. And I hadn't even touched her yet. And you know, she had a little hand there. I just started slapping it. I said, pick them up. No. Pick them up. No. I mean, I was beginning to feel guilty. Her her hand was red. I said, give me that other hand. I said, <laughs> and I, and she, I, we went, this went on for 30 or 40 minutes, you know. And my wife was saying, well, let's just get them. I said, no, she's going to learn. <laughs> she's going to learn. I'm the boss. Anyway, we just kept on and on and on and on. Finally, oh, she was a sniffling. She started picking them up, putting them in, putting them in, putting them. You know, we never had no problem with that no more. Amen. But you know what? <laughs> we <laughs> we are by nature children of disobedience. Praise God. Now, none of us are going to brag about it, but don't y'all don't y'all remember? When you try to see how far you could get with your parents, you know, or even in school, see how far you could get with the teachers or, 
Or, uh, oh, oh, how about uh, getting, how far can you get with the police down there? You know they're parked around the corner, and you know you're just going to speed and then turn in this driveway real fast, you know. And, and y'all, y'all didn't ever do nothing like that, did you? <laughs> but we were by nature children of disobedience. But God's grace is in our life. See, God predestined us to be holy. He predestined us to be in His image. He predestined us to have His joy and His peace. We're predestined for that. But because we're willfully walking as children of disobedience, God, you know, sometimes God has to kind of nudge us along and get us on the right track again. Amen? Now, you as parents, you know what I'm talking about. You've had to do that with your children and to get them on the right track. Now, We're raised up, and we have been made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's our position tonight. We're seated together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And over in Ephesians, the first chapter, Paul's praying a prayer for the church that you might have this revelation and know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. And know that He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Know that He is Lord over all the powers of darkness. In other words, Paul said, I'm praying that this will come alive to your spirit. And then in Ephesians 2, 6, he said, we're raised up and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Had a lady come to me one time, I was preaching revival, and she came to me and she said, Brother Dalrymple, i got a word with you. I said, Yes, ma'am. She said, I don't like the way you exalt yourself. I said, excuse me? She said, you put yourself on the same level as Jesus Christ. I said, wait a minute now, let me get this correct. You're saying that I said that I'm on the same level with him? Well, yeah, you said you were. You're seated right there with him. I said, yes, ma'am. I agree. I plead guilty. I did say that, and I mean that, because you see, you're in the same place I am, if you'll just believe it, and that means you're far above all principality and power and might and dominion in this world and in the world to come, because that's where he's seated, and he said he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know what her eyes, she's, Brother Dalrymple, will you forgive me? I never saw that like that. It just come alive in my heart. Hallelujah. Well, that's what God wants. He wants this Word to come alive so that we'll understand who we are in Christ. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where it's at. Praise God. And Jesus is our peace. We've been made near by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Christ. He is our peace. Look at Ephesians 2, verses 14 18. He himself is our peace who has made us, made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition, uh, having abolished it in the flesh, the enmity that is the law of, of uh, commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. 
Hallelujah. You know what? That takes care of all this big I and little you. Amen? We all have access to the same Spirit by the Father. Same position by the Father. We've all given, we've all been granted that access to Him. Hallelujah. Listen, I tell people all the time. we, We pastored after we were with Brother Osteen. We took a little church running about 12, and we just started teaching. I started teaching on the blood covenant. And I must have taught the blood covenant every service, not the same message, of course, but just different angles and different things that the Lord said. I I know I had 40-something messages on it that we taught on blood covenant so people could understand who they were in Christ and what they had. And people began to get a hold of it. And we had people come in that were drug addicts, alcoholics, marriages on the rock. I mean, all kinds of things happening. We had one man that had actually been involved in a crime that was manslaughter, but he had somehow or other he had escaped and he come in the service. <laughs> and the Lord got a hold of him and he gave his heart to the Lord and turned himself in. He ended up going to prison, but only for a shorter term because it was manslaughter and it wasn't like for regular, you know, murder. First degree, and but he 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 got saved, born again, and turned himself in, and got out of prison, and still served God. Hallelujah! And while he was in prison, he was telling other people what Jesus could do for them. Isn't God good? But we had people, and I, and I taught the people. God was healing people; miracles were taking place, and and I told him, I said, look, you don't have to wait to service time to get healed. Isn't that good? I said, you don't have to wait till we give an altar call to to have the power of God move for you. And I begin to point to each one, call them by name, and I said, you have the right to go out here and lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I had my youth pastor and one of my elders. They started going door to door, and uh, they came to this little lady, and she said. Uh, uh, they said, "Oh, she, they said, can we pray for you?" She said, "Oh yes, I, I don't mind you praying for me." She said, "But it won't do no good." <laughs> she said, "I've been prayed for many, many times, and it's just not going to happen." And uh, my elder, he he was on my board for many, many years, still good, great friend of ours, and he said, "Ma'am," he turned the scriptures over there and. He began to read scriptures off of what Jesus did. And he he turned to that scripture in, in the gospel there where Jesus bare our sicknesses and our infirmities. And she said, let me see that. She read it out loud. She said, well, they've never told me that in my church. She handed the Bible back to him. She said, hey, would you pray for me again? I'm going to believe what you just showed me in the Bible. And God healed her just like that. She started coming to church. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I, I began to teach. I just told him. I said, look, you've got the same right. You don't have to wait on Brother Clarence to come and pray. I'm not nobody special. You know, it's Jesus is a special one. He's the one that paid the price. He, he's the one that gives the anointing. The anointing is flowing through the body. And we have the right to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
Jesus sent them all out. And they were, they were doing the same things that Jesus did. And we're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, so we have the same right. Why? Because we've been made accepted in the Beloved. We're seated high above all principality, power, and might, and dominion. And the devil has to obey us because we're God's kids. Amen? So victory's ours. So we, we just need to get this understanding in our heart and re- realize that, uh, you know, he, he's doing it. He's doing it. Praise God. We're seated. The position of the believer is where? In Christ. The position of the believer is far above all principality and power and might and dominion is named in this world and in the world to come. We're far above that because we're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means we've got victory. That means you've got victory. That means that we've got the right to bring other people into victory because we're God's ambassadors in this earth. And we have the same power. That's what Jesus said. You know, go out and heal the sick. And and uh, he told them when they was filled, was filled with the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The ability of God in you. Go out and do the things that you've seen us do. You go out and do it. And that's what happened. The disciples went everywhere. The whole world was evangelized at that time through a few disciples that went out and just preached the gospel. And God began to move supernaturally in their lives. So we're in Christ tonight. Amen? So, in conclusion, let me just say this. We're going to be able to enjoy. I'm talking about enjoy serving God. Enjoy our Christian experience. Enjoy what He's done for us. I I mean, be excited about it. Be happy about it. Once we understand the reality of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, no longer do we have to walk in condemnation. No longer do we have to walk with our heads bowed down. But we're going to walk in total victory with true joy and the true peace of God in our hearts. And the Bible says they were first called Christians in Antioch. Christians, they acted like Christ. They talked like Christ. They did the works of Christ. And they were first called Christians in Antioch. We are Christians tonight. Praise God. We're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, we should have the true joy and the true peace and that true power, that true anointing. I tell you what, somebody stops you or somebody calls you and says, Brother, sister, I need help. I need I need you to pray. You know what? You don't have to. Well, let me go get Brother Clarence because I, I mean, you know, this sounds serious. And no, no, no. We're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and we've got the right to call on the name of the Lord. We've got the right to lay hands on the sick. He didn't say just preachers to lay hands on the sick. He told the disciples to go lay hands on the sick. Amen. To lay hands upon them, believe God. And see them delivered in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Well, we're in Christ Jesus tonight. And that's where we're sitting. And that's where I'm standing. I'm in Him. And you're in Him. We're seated together in heavenly places in Christ. And the devil can't do anything about it. Praise God. We're victorious. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and just thank God for the word tonight. Father, we thank you that we are who we, we're who you say we are. Lord, we can do what you say we can do. We have what you say we have. 
Because, Lord, we're, we're in Christ and we're seated together in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And we have that true joy and that true peace and that true power and true anointing tonight. And, Lord, bless us as we go. Let your word sink in our hearts and our spirits and let it come alive so that we can be what you called us to be. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. Would well, y'all get anything out of that? Praise God. <laughs> the book of Ephesians is one of my favorites. And I just want you know, people to understand that you're special to God. Every one of us are special to God. I had one, one of my little boys in the church. I had to go to a, I had a storage place where I had some stuff stored and I had to go over there one day, and they come up on their bicycles, and he had his little friend with him. He said, this is my preacher. This is my pastor. And that little boy says, he don't look like no preacher. I got him and hugged him, and I said, thank you so much. Because <laughs> I don't want to look like a pious, holier-than-thou. <laughs> I want to just be Clarence Dalrymple, a minister of the gospel, Amen. Praise the Lord. And just share what God's put in our hearts. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Father, we thank you. Praise you, Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Anybody need any prayer for anything special tonight before we leave? Anybody in particular? The Bible said, if any two shall agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done to the Father which is in heaven. And I believe that. Anybody need any touch physically, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially? Amen. Praise God. Everybody's okay. Amen. Brother Chuck, would you dismiss us in prayer tonight?